This is our last year before Pesach, right? Pretty sure. So, uh, so let's uh, let's, let's uh, go through three questions that came up this week. Only one of them is Elchus Pesach question. We'll see which one you want. Um, the first question that came up: uh, There is a very popular song, apparently I had never heard of it before, called Adama Vishamayim. Yeah, never heard of it. Some by show of hands, how many people have heard of it? Okay, some people have heard of it. Apparently, it's played at lots of chasanas, and uh, all my kids, when I mentioned it to them, they all heard of it. They say, yeah, you want to hear it right now? And I said, wait, not yet. We have to see what the result of this year is. Uh, they believe, apparently, that the lyrics are based on some Buddhist-style Israeli group, uh, that's, and it was originally sung by an earth-worshipping pagan cult, and it was converted into Hebrew, and uh, therefore, it may make this song Asr. So the Shaila is... Is this song Asr to listen to? Um, apparently, it's very, very popular. So that's uh, Shaila number one. Shaila number two, um, a little girl came home from preschool with the cutest little picture frame, with a picture of herself and her father in the frame, right? And uh, the picture frame is decorated on the, on the uh, outside of the frame. It's decorated with all sorts of different uh, shapes of pasta. Um, that's colored in primary colors, red, blue, yellow, green, right? So uh, all around the frame. And she just came home from preschool with such a, such a frame. So the father wants to know, uh, should he burn it with, <laughs> with the chamez? Meaning, what do you do with, uh, with such a frame over Pesach? So that's our Hilchos, uh, meaning, is it a problem in Hilchos Pesach? That's our Hilchos Pesach question. And then the third shaila is a very sad one, but it's actually... I, 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 I'm, to protect the, um, the innocent, it's, it's a combination of a few different shilas that I got recently. I don't know why recently this has come up so much, but uh, here's a, a combination shaila, uh, but I'll present it like this. Um, a, 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 a young woman calls me and tells me that her father has been emotionally and verbally abusive for as long as she can remember. He's mean to her mother, he's mean to all of the children, and they recently discovered, the family recently discovered that he's committed some horrendous crimes. Um, he's aggressive, he's, uh, he's, he's misogynistic, not a good man. And they now have like pretty strong proof that he's done some pretty terrible things on a religious level, on a moral level, and perhaps on a legal level as well. Um, and he says, my, sibling, my siblings and I do whatever we can to avoid him. We always did, because you never knew when you were going to be bear the brunt of his wrath. We, we don't go to our parents' home for Shabbos. We can help it. My mother doesn't leave him because she can't afford to financially. Uh, whenever we do see him, we keep the conversations as short as possible. When we speak with each other, we just unload on our father, speaking totally unfettered Lashonara about him, meaning when we speak among the siblings. Is that problematic? What should our limitations and rules be? Meaning, do we have a mitzvah of kibbutz? How exactly are we supposed to interact with him? How are we supposed to interact with each other, knowing the kind of man that he is? So uh, those are our three shilas. So we have uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, not Earth, Adama <laughs> Vishamayim, and uh, we have uh, that's something else, right? and we have uh, <laughs> and we have um, uh, the preschool uh, daughter with the frame, with the picture frame, and we have the uh, the Aviv Russia. No, what are you tying now? Three. Except for Mayor, he wants one. All right, I, we'll start with three and we'll. What do you think? 
So, really, you want to hear about the picture frame? Yeah? It's a shawl kid. It's a shawl kid. It would take five minutes. Okay, maybe we'll do the picture frame and then we'll move on to one of the others because that will be, that's a pretty quick one. Uh, there is a Gemara in Masechah's plan. I mean, the truth is, you, you could probably say a lot more on this. I just didn't prepare it that well because I thought no one would pick it. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's a Gemara in Beis. It is also a Gemara that the Dav Yomi did recently in Chulin on Dav Kuf Chav Tes where the Gemara tells us that if you take a, uh, a block of Sa'or, which is chametz, and you decide, you know, this would make a great stool for sitting on. Instead of using it as a food item, I'm going to use it as a chair. You know, sometimes people have like these very artsy kinds of uh, furniture. So it's like, wait, what is that exactly? Oh, no, it's a chair. So, so this person decides that he's going to take this sa'or and use it as a chair. He's allowed to have it on Pesach. It's not a violation of Bali Rabbi Matzi. Now, the Gemara in Chulin just tells us that. The Gemara in Pesachim adds, Ubalvad, that he's tachos or betit. That he actually does a maisa to it, like he puts uh, cement or something around it to show that he's, that he's designating it as a, as a, for use as a chair. That is the Gemara. It is an interesting question why that would work, because after all, meaning uh, it, the Gemara makes the point of Masech Schulen of saying that as far as Tumen Tahara is concerned, as far as its status as a Kli, it would only be considered a Kli on a Durabanan level. On a Daraisa level, it's not a Kli, it's a Michael. But on a Durabanan level, it would, it would be considered a Kli. Well, wait a second, if on a Daraisa level it's still a food, then how come on a Daraisa level it's not a problem of Chameitz? So Tosa Rush raises that question, and that's something that the Rishonim struggle with. But whatever the answer to that question is, the, uh, it seems that that is the Halacha, that once you designated it, once you designate the item for something else, the tacho, so betit, it then takes on the status of uh, a non-food item, even if it's still edible. Even if, you know, on the inside, you could, it's not nifsal me'achilas kelev. That wouldn't be a shayla. If it was nifsal me'achilas kelev, you can, uh, you know, like shampoo, let's say. You can look at a shampoo bottle and it can say, contains all five grains soaked in water, for more than 18 minutes and you know like you could like define chametz for you on the bottle but if it's something that your dog won't eat it's not uh, what's that wouldn't that be chametz nuksha so chametz nuksha is when it's not it's nifsa mechilas adam when it's nifsa mechilas kelev it's not chametz bichlal it's, it's a zero so that, that would be no, we assume once something is nifsal me'achilas kelev, it's a zero. It's not chametz at all. It's not even on the drabbanan level. Now, person's not allowed to eat it because of a, a concern of achshave, right? That if you're going to eat it, you're showing that you consider it to be a food. But it's uh, strictly speaking, it's not chametz at all. In fact, I, I did a question and answer session with a girls' high school this week, and uh, I was looking at the questions, and you could tell that one of the rebbeim wrote the questions. That the kids didn't write the questions, and one of the ways I was able to tell is one of the questions was, why is it that some people throw out a bunch of their shampoos before Pesach and other people don't? So uh, I, I had a suspicion. So I said, how many of you have ever even heard of the idea of throwing out shampoos before Pesach? And, and none of them had. None of them had heard of the idea. Why? Because when I was growing up, 
there was a uh, there was a book that was sent to every Jewish home. Uh, maybe we paid for it. I don't know if we. I don't know, but it was the book on Hilchos Pesach, written by a very great Talmud Chacham and a tzaddik by the name of Rabbi Blumenkrantz, who lived in Farakaway. And Rabbi Blumenkrantz happened to have had a lot of very interesting chumras. He had a lot of very interesting chumras. One of his chumras that he had was that was to be choshish for the sheet of the Chavaz Das. Chavaz Das holds that when you have chametz that is not edible by a dog, but it never became nifsal. It didn't spoil. It was made that way on purpose. It's not that it got so rotten and spoiled that it's not edible. But it was just it was made that way. So says the Chavaz Das that is not called nifsal meichilus kel. That's a problem with chametz, and therefore Bloomkrantz had like lists of shampoos that you're allowed to use, and of uh, soaps, and of uh, I don't know a cleaner, you know, uh, silver polish, and I don't know everything that you could imagine of what's what has grain products in it, what doesn't, and he had many other chum- in there. But a lot of people were unhappy about about those chumras because those are not mainstream views. He's certainly entitled to his opinion. He was, not, he was a, a special tzaddik and Tamil chacham, but those were not the mainstream views. So already about 20 years ago, the OU and the CRC and the Star K and Rabbi Best in Los Angeles, they all started working on making lists that made that that, that, that made sense with the mainstream uh, views in terms of what chametz is. And and while I grew up with Rabbi Blumenkrantz's book, and everyone used them because no one knew anything. No one knew that there were other shitos. We just knew what it said in the book. So everyone always had that book. This next generation did not grow up that way. So none of them had, had ever even heard of that. But that's not what we're talking about over here. In this case, we're talking about something that's not achila. And we passed in Shulchanach and some tough men based sif tests. Shulchanach writes, Chamit Shinis Apesh, Kodem Zmani Surov, Niv Salme Achilas Kalev. If it became Niv Salme Achilas Kalev before the Zman Isser, Oh, Shesarfo Beesh Kodem Zman, or you burn it before the Zman, Venechrach Al Yad Sheino Roy Le Kalev, and it becomes it becomes so burned that a Kalev wouldn't touch it. Oh, Sheyichto Liyeshiva, or you designate it as a chair. And you put some lime or tar or whatever around it. You're allowed to keep it on Pesach. Says the Mishnah Brura, Sivkat Mem Aleph, You have this big clump of chametz. I don't care if it's bread. It can be bread. But it's a giant clump of bread in a shape like a chair like this. And you are miyachid it for yeshiva. For yeshiva, kodem pesach. You still need to be tachpetit. If you don't do the tachpetit, you just decide, oh, I'm going to sit on this bread. So look, now it's our bread. It's a chair. That's not good enough. You have to do something to it to turn it into a uh, something that's that's made the yeshiva. And in Sivkat Membeis, Mishra writes, And this works even if the chametz is not nifsal. Why? Because you are mevatel the shame ochel from it. By being mevatel the shame ochel from from the chametz, that's all you need to do. It's a little bit difficult to understand why that would work. Because normally, you know, uh, let's say you do uh, bitul chametz and you have chametz bitul in the sense that ka'afredara, it's like nothing to me. So uh, bitul is not enough. Midaraisa bitul beyond the sagi, but chamer masakein that you need to do bediko biur. You need to find all the chametz and destroy it also. And but the kabir alone is not enough. You also need to do bittel. Fine, but why over here is 
granted, you're going to tell me making it a chair is the equivalent of saying it's ka'afra bi'alma. Right? I understand that. What's the difference if it's dirt or it's a chair? Either way, it's not chametz. But, but we're saying beyond that over here, it's better than making it afra di'alma. Afra di'alma, you, uh, you would still need to do b'dika Right? You, if you see it in front of you, bitul will not, will not work. Bitul alone is not enough. Yet over here, l'chadchila. Apparently, you're allowed to designate it as something else, and that's good. Then it becomes that something else. That's the halach. In fact, I saw of Zilberson and Chashukei Chemed on Chulin, on Chulin Kuv Chavtaz, tells a story. I don't know if it's a true story or not. Um, I have my suspicions. Of, uh, of uh, Baron Rothschild um, uh, inviting a whole bunch of people over for, uh, for a Shabbos meal, and everyone has their own fancy uh, Kiddush cup, and uh, they uh, they say Kiddush, and um, and well, how does the story go? They say Kiddush. Everyone drinks from the uh, from the cup, and then uh, and then and then he says, and now you can make say a motzi. They say, well, we don't have any bread. He says, yes, you do. Look a little more closely. And he had made cups out of bread, and they just didn't know. They didn't realize what they were holding was actually a bread cup. Okay, it sounds strange, but um, let's say, Rabbi Zilberstein said, Baron Rothschild made a chametz uh, cup, and he, uh, you know, and, and, and he, he used it as a cup throughout the whole Pesach. Would that be a problem on Pesach? It was a chametz cup. So he said, if he's tachos up, it's hit. L'chare not, right? L'chare wouldn't be. Once he decides he's only using it as a cup, he's not using it as bread anymore. So it would seem that in this case, um, you know, if, you, if they actually, if it got if the picture frame became, the noodles became primary colors because they painted them, right? So painting them has to be at least as good as tachos abatit, right? Meaning it, it would make those noodles really inedible. It probably accomplishes even nifsanechil's kelv. It's poisonous probably, unless they use non-toxic paint so that the children don't eat the paint, which is also a possibility. What if they just used food coloring and then they just glued the back of the noodle onto the... Uh, so this is a discussion because if if you only are tachbitit on one side mitzad echad, I think the uh, poskim say that's not good enough. That you have to you have to do it uh, um, you have to do it all around. So if there's only glue on one side and the rest is just food coloring, then that that would not be good enough. So that's um, that is. Uh, yeah, in fact, that's the Sharetzian in Sifkat Nayin. The Sharetzian writes that Rashi says Shetach Paneha Letaknali Yeshiva Mashma Derak Lemalu B'Makom Amoshav that they only made one side of it Tach Betit. But the Korban Asanel says De La Harash that the Shita Sarash is Hainu Mikol Tzad Avaleinu Muchrach. Oh, so maybe there is what to rely on because Mishmaru seems to side with Rashi. They only need to do something on one side of it, and the other sides could be good enough. Uh, to not be tachbetit as long as you've already designated it for another use. I would still recommend probably put it away, sell it to John Brown, and you'll buy it back after Pesach, and uh, you know you don't have to uh, you don't have to enter the shaila. But strictly speaking, he probably has what to be so mechan over here. But it's still be- best to uh, call the teacher, find out what they did, how they made these uh, uh, noodles, these colors. Did they use paint? Did they use uh, did they use food coloring? Um, and uh, certainly, if they used paint, you have a lot to rely on. Uh, if they use food coloring, a little bit less, because then you have to rely on shita sarash of the glue on the other side. They sp- spray it with what? Spray it with real paint. 
oh, you could spray it yourself with real paint, but that would be a lot of work because every noodle is a different color. So you'd have to buy like six cans of spray paint and uh, aim it just perfectly um, and not spray on the picture. It would be, that would be, uh, it's a good idea, but I don't think practical. Okay, so that's uh, shadow number two. So now what do we want? Shadow number one or shadow number three? Three. Okay, so we want to discuss Aviv Rasha. Okay, this is a, it's a sugya. Um, there is a mitzvah of Kibar Good, we're all aware of that. In fact, someone came over to me in shul tonight. A guy comes over to me and says, um, there's a nest, a bird's nest on my property, and there are eggs in the nest. I said, ooh, you have an opportunity, right? You have to be mafkirit, and then, uh, you know, as long as it's kosher bird, you could do shiloh uh, ken. He's like, I really don't want to. He says, it's, it's like very uncomfortable. I'm going to send away the mother bird. I, don't, I really don't want to. I said, listen, there are two, two, two ways to get a school for Arichus Yamin. This is the far, far easier one. Right? <laughs> the other one is keep it of aim, not as easy. Okay, so uh, so keep it of aim uh, carries with it a uh, school of arichus yamin, and it is obviously one of the ten commandments. Uh, what about if the parent is a Russia? So the Rambam has this comment that no one is exactly sure where he got it from or how he could say it because it seems to be against the Gemara. The Rambam writes in the sixth parakel filchus mamre malacha yod aleph hamamzer chayiv bekvod aviv umo ra'o. That a mamzer is chayev in the honor of his father and mora of his father. Now, uh, he did not become a mamzer because his father was doing mitzvahs and ma'asim tovim, right? So a mamzer, nevertheless, chayev kavarav umaro, avol bishu patra makasov, kilasa, chiasa tshuva, even though if he's maka aviv, if he's makalal aviv, he's potter, he wouldn't be chayev for that. Afiluaya aviv rasha ubalaveros mechabdo misyarimimenu. Says the Ramam, your father could be a Russian, a Balaveros, you still have to be Mechabidim, and you still have to have Mora of the father. Ra'ahu over al Devrei Torah, lo yom lo abba avart al Devrei Torah, lo yom lo abba kasu b'torah kach v'kach, kilu shol mimenu v'lo kemas hero. And then he says what the Gemara says after that. He says, the Gemara says that if you see your father doing an Avera, so there's a way to correct him and a way not to correct him. Fine, but where do you get that line that, that, um, that, that, that a person has to be Mechabid of Russia? So it comes along the tour in Simon Reish Mem and he says, quotes the Rambam, that, uh, that, uh, that a person has to be Mechabid of Russia and the Torah says, the Torah says, V'nirali, kivan shuhu rasha, eino chayev b'kvoto. I don't think you're chayev in the covenant of a father that's a rasha at all. Kedam ni'inan, because the Gemara says, Babakamitzai dalarim beis, kebi niach le'navi en paragazula, that if your father, if a person's father dies, and the father stole a para, and he had left the paragazula in his, uh, in, in the estate, you have to return that para. Why? For the covenant of the father. So the Gemara asks, Why do you have to be Mechabit such a father? He's a Gazlan. Why would you have to be Mechabit a Gazlan? So the Gemara says, No, no, Asa Tshuva. He did Tshuva. So the Gemara says, Well, wait a second. Tshuva, what? He davened a really long Shemona Esther? He's got the stolen car in his, in his, in his driveway. Hey, you don't do tshuva by, uh, by clapping al chaitz and by davening. The only way to do tshuva when the, when the stolen car is in your driveway is by returning the stolen car. So if daddy didn't return the stolen car, guess what? He didn't do tshuva. So the Gemara answers, yes, he did. He was on his way. He was about to return it. He, and then just as he was on his way, massive heart attack, he died, tragic. But, but he really wanted, he had done tshuva already. And that's why you have to be mechabed him. What do you see clearly from that Gemara says the tour? You only have to be mechabed him if he did tshuva, if he's a tzaddik. If he's still a rasha, 
no din of kibud. You don't have to be machsir the, the thing that he stole out of a sense of kibud. So it, it's a strong kasha on the Rambam. Right? Where does he get this idea that you mechabed your father even if he's a rasha? So th- there are those that defend the Rambam from the kasha of the Torah by saying, I think there's a Radvaz like this, that says that, no, when the father's still alive, w- what's going to happen? Imagine the father's a rasha, kol yamav. His entire life he's a rasha. So you're not being mechabedim and you're being nasty to him and you're not doing anything nice or whatever. And then, on his deathbed, he does tshuva. Man, it's tshuva shleima. Well, I don't know if he can on his deathbed, he has to have also isha or so whatever. But, you know, he, he does like a, a tshuva, a real, real sincere tshuva. What happens now to all the averus he did earlier? If he did tshuva me'ava? They become mitzvahs. And therefore, all those years that he was a rasha, guess what? He was really a tzaddik. And now you violated Kibbutz Avim for all those years. So you have to wait till you're sure that he's not going to do tshuva. When's that? When he's dead, right? On his deathbed, he was still, you know, still, still as evil as he ever was. Oh, like you know, on his deathbed. Oh, can you can you give me that baseball bat? Whack! You just, you know, like on his deathbed, he's still uh, he's still on his computer, you know, and stealing money on, you know, hacking into people's accounts or whatever. Right. So in, in, in such a case, you know he's not going to do tshuva anymore. Oh, so that's it. When you know he's not going to do tshuva anymore, then, uh, then, then it was Aviv Rasha, and then you wouldn't be Chayv to be That's a very shvar of art, no? Because is that how tshuva really works? That it turns out that uh, as he was uh, stealing money from people and hurting people, and whatever, he was really a tzaddik the whole time. No, his Averos went to, uh, you know, added to his guilty conscience and therefore serve as part of a kapara for him, what he's got to live with on his head every day. I don't know, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's hard to imagine that the way it works is that Lema he was a tzaddik his entire life. So the, the classic uh, defense for the Rambam, I think, is what I heard from Rabbi of Shechter, and I saw it in print uh, from other people as well. You know, there's a famous Chakir in the Minchas Chinuch. Uh, the Aseris Zibros are pretty neatly arranged between, we categorize mitzvahs, right? There are Aseis, Alos Aseis, there are Daraises, there are Banans. Aseris Zibros are divided into two parts. There's what? Right? The fifth commandment, though, seems to be on the wrong side. Right? is between you and another human being or two other human beings. And that, that therefore should be Ben Adam Chaveru, and yet it's on the Ben Adam Makom side. So, Minchaschino, Chamitzvah Gimel raises the issue: Is Kibbutz Avim Ben Adam Makom, or is it Ben Adam Chaveru? And there are indications in both directions. The Gemara says in Kiddushin, Gimel Shutz Ben Yeshba Adam. There are three partners in man: there's God, there's mother, there's father. When you honor your mother and father, God says it's Kilu Kibduni. It's as if you've honored me. That sounds very Ben Adam Lemakomish, right? So there are there are indications in both directions: Is it Ben Adam Makom, Ben Adam Chaveru? So says of Shechter, and others who say, say the same words, it, it's both. It's not either or. It's both Ben Al-Makam and Ben Al-Makhaveru. But you have to appreciate what the limitations are on each of those things. See, Ben Al-Makhaveru only applies, Mitzvahs Ben Al-Makhaveru only apply when a person is alive, when you have Chaveru. Typically, when a person is dead, you're no longer Mavakachola, you're no longer Menachemavala. I mean, not the dead person, Menachemavali Avelu. Right? When a person is dead, there's no more Bedal Nechavera to do. Bedal Nechavera only applies when a person is alive. Bedal Nechavera has a limitation also. Hakurush Baruch will only consider it to be 
an honor to him if the person you're honoring is on God's team, associates with Hashem. But if the person that you're honoring spends his whole life fighting Hashem, he's a Russia, Kol well then that's not an honor to God to honor a person who's a Russia. Wow, so put it all together now. So let's say there are Tzvei Dinim in Kibbut There's a Din Ben Adel Makom and there's a Din Ben Adel But the Ben Adel Makom doesn't apply when the person's a Russia. The Ben Adel doesn't apply when the person is dead. So if you have a Russia parent that's alive, Yechayev in Kibbut, why? Why? Ben Adel right? If you have a tzaddik parent that's dead, Yechayev in Kibbut, why? Ben Adel if you have a Russia parent that's dead, nothing's left. No Ben Adam no The Gemara Baba Kama spoke about the Russia who's dead. The father was a Russia and he's dead. That's why it said that you don't, you, you don't have to return it if he didn't do tshuva. The Rambam is talking about a parent who's alive. It's a great shtickle Torah. Okay. What about hitting and cursing a parent who's a Russia? So the, uh, again, the Ramam holds even kibbut you have to do. The Torah says, I disagree. I think it's a Beferish Gemara that you don't have to do kibbut for, for Russia. We came up with this, we, we set over this beautiful Shtikl Torah to defend the Rambam. But the Torah says, no, no, you don't have to be mechabit of Russia. Can you hurt them? Can you curse them? Can you, can you do terrible things? So it says the Beis Yosef, because of Arif, Alzeh, Hani Milin Chiyuva, Avlini Sura, Fil Lo Asa you're not allowed to be Mako or Mekalel, based on the Gemara Sanhedrin. The Gemara Sanhedrin pay him base. Let's say the son works for Beisdin. So his job is to give Makos. So he's looking at his docket for that day. Okay, who am I going to beat up today? Right? And he says, oh, there's, there's Dad. No, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. Now, Dad did not get on his docket by doing mitzvahs. Right? Dad's a Russia. It's the definition of Russia. Someone who doesn't have error for which you're Chayv Malkus. So, 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 Dad's a Russia. And yet, the Ben's not allowed to do it. Why? Because to be Makas, says the Rif, that's different. Unless he's Mesus Mediach, he says, Lo Sachmov, Lo Schasa, And that's what the Rush holds as well. However, the Beis Yosef says, Taisus, Nivam, Schof, Beis, and Beis, writes that that's only when he's doing Tshuva, that you're not allowed to be the Shleach Beis and to be Makahim. Because that's his truth, that's his kapara. But if he's mamish Russia, you're even allowed to be makin makalel. Wow. So, another raya that they bring, you know, the Gemara in Kiddushin, you're all familiar with this Gemara. The Gemara tells us that if your father tells you to do an Avera, father says, be makal Shabbos. You know, it's, I'm tired of you observing this Shabbos thing. Right? So, what's the halacha? You don't listen. Why not? So, the Gemara has a drasha. Learns from a Pasuk. So the, the implication is that this man who would go around telling people to be Mechal Shabbos is inherently someone who is worthy of kibbutz. Meaning, if he says, do me two favors. Go murder somebody and give me a glass of water. I'm kind of thirsty. Right? So there is a still a chiv to get him the glass of water. The implication of the Gemara is. You just don't listen to him when he tells you to be Mechal Shabbos. But you still get him the glass of water. So there's still a chiv kibbut, it sounds like, from the Gemara. Okay, there are ways out, out of that. I mean, that sounds like a kvaldukah raya for the Rambam, right? That, that you still have to be mechabit. There are ways out of that raya. 
Maybe it's talking about a father who's delirious, he doesn't realize what he's saying. Maybe it's talking about he doesn't, he doesn't know that uh, what he's asking you to do is a violation of an etc. I don't know, there are ways out of it. La halacha, what do we say? Shulchan Aruch, and Simen Reish Mem Sif Yud Ches. Mamzer chayiv b'kvod aviv u'bimoro'o. Afilu haya aviv rasha u'balaveros mechabdei misyari mimenu. Shulchan Aruch, like the Rambam. Chayiv. Comes along the Ramah, the Yeshomrim, the Enumachiv, the Chabir of Rasha, and Kenasa Tshuva. Some say, no, only if you did Tshuva, not if you didn't do Tshuva. So, what does that mean? Machaber quotes only one day, yeah? says Yechayev. The Ramah says, Yeshomrim, that you're not. What does that mean? What's the Ramah Paschal? No, what's the. Uh, so. The Aruch HaShulchan understands, and Rav Shachar understood many, most of the Aruch I think, understand that the Ramah is arguing on Mechaber. He quotes the Yesh Omrim to say, Mechaber, I know you're quoting the Rambam, but I hold like the tour. And therefore, there's no Chiyav of Kavod for Aviv Rasha. However, I found other Aruch that don't learn that way. They say that, you know, when the Ramah wants to argue on the Mechaber, he would say, Yesh Omrim, this, V'chei Neker, or V'chei Noagin. He'd add in two extra words and say, and, and that's what we do. But in the Chuvas Maram Ziskin, Simon Dalit, he says it's Machlokas Rishonim. And that's all the Ramah is trying to alert you to that it's Machlokas Rishonim, and that you should treat it like a suffix. So Dindarais, Savitarais al Khumra, Dindrabana, Savitrabana Lakula, may have nafkaminas in terms of Osik Mitzvah Patamina Mitzvah, because you're only Osik in a suffix mitzvah, fine. But it's suffix. And and even a step further. There is some achronim, and it seems this is the position of the Chayi Adam and the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch, that he's just saying, look, there's a Yesh Omrim against this Mechaber, but the Mechaber is still the Yikr Din. If he doesn't say V'chein Yikr, he's really passing like the Mechaber. Wild Chiddush. I think the Pashtus is the first way. Now when the Ramah quotes a Yesh Omrim, that's against what the Mechaber says, so the Ramah means the Paskin against the Mechaber. So as far as Kippur Avim is concerned, what's the question to ask? Are you Svardik or Ashkenazik, Right? If you're a Svarti Jew, it doesn't matter how evil your father is, you're Chayiv B'Kvodo, which makes it all the more stunning when you consider the definition of the Chayiv Kavod. Chayadim writes, the definition of the Chayiv Kavod is you have to be Mechabed him B'Machshava B'Dibor B'Maisa. How you Mechabed him B'Dibor? You speak nicely to him and reverentially about him. How you Mechabed him B'Maisa? You get him whatever he needs. How you Mechabed him B'Machshava? Says Chayadim, you're supposed to think of your parents as if they are gedolei olam. It's going to be tough to do, right? A person can have all the evidence to the contrary, and he has to speak to them like they're gedolei olam. One of these shailas I got, one of the people told me that one of their siblings is mekayim that, that with all the evidence, speaks to the father like he's a gadol olam, and 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 it seems like he really believes it. Even though he knows he knows that it's not true intellectually, he knows that it's not true. That's that's quite a level of avoda. But that wasn't a, that wasn't the only part of Rishad. But if you're Nationalizing Jew, you wouldn't have to be mechabed. You still can't be mevaza. Still can't be mevaza. You just can't, don't have to be mechabed. So we asked Rishad. One of these cases came up. The the children said, "We can't stand our father. We're making a chasana soon for our child. We don't want to invite our father to the chasana." So is that a lack of cover, or is that being mevaza? Or they said, La'achramea ve'esrim, 
and their actual Lashon was, or hopefully sooner, in a kind of hatred. We do not want to sit Shiva for this man. Is that a lack of cover or is that a bizarre? So I, I would have said, what would you say? I, I think it's a bizarre. That's got right. So, so Shechter thought that bizarre is only become vase. Anytime you do anything b'shevi altasa, that's just not giving cover. So you have to make a whole show of it, quietly bury him somewhere, and then go go away for a week or something. You know, but uh, he said first he said you know you'll sit there, they'll uh, come and they'll be Menachem Avel, and uh, you know people you just don't talk about him, don't talk about the father. He said most of the time when you're sitting shiva the halachas, you're supposed to talk about the deceased, but no one does that. People go to the shiva houses and then talk about everything else under the sun. So, oh, what are the children doing this summer? What are they? You know, they just people are uncomfortable with death. They don't like talking about the deceased. Roshak said when he was sitting shiva for his mother, he said everyone came. This was many years ago, right? He said everyone came and spoke about everything else under the sun. And only one person came and actually spoke about my mother, the Munkacharevi. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what, what Pshat is. He's the only one that came and wanted to talk about my mother. Okay. But, uh, but then, then when he was pushed a little more, and he said, no, they really don't want to sit Shiva. You know, so he said, okay. So he didn't think it was Bizayu. Wow. Does, does that... Yeah? Then you have to sit Shiva on a halachic level? Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> so that, right. That's, that's the... Uh, but maybe it's because of the covet of the mace that you have to that you have to do it. I don't know. Meaning to be and to do the whole, uh, you know, I don't know. Probably you would still be limited by the halachas of, uh, you know. Oh, for for a mumer in general, but yeah, it's hard to say, and that really gets to the definition of Russia bismanazah. Like, uh, can you really label anyone that way bismanazah? You know, the chazanish, that everyone's a tinok shenish, but a Russia bismanazah doesn't mean a mechal shabbos, right? Meaning, that, let's be clear about that. Not every baltshuva is going to say, "Oh, my father's a Russia, I don't have to be mechabed him." No way, right? Bismanazah, the way we define Russia, is a terrible person, like a terrible human being. Someone who has no basic derecheretz for people, takes advantage of other people. It can't be. It has to be something that that is innate and is understood by all of humanity. Because anything that's religious in nature, people don't appreciate the gravity of it. They don't appreciate how serious it is. They don't understand. You speak to a conservative Jew or or reformed Jew or non-affiliated Jew, and 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 you talk about Shabbos. They say, "Oh, it's wonderful. You have the practice of uh, you know you have the custom." of not driving on, on Saturday, and I have the custom of driving on Saturday. It's wonderful. Your custom is great. And my custom is good, too. Like, everything's a custom. There's no, there's no such thing as chiv. There's no mitzvah. For, for many, there's no mitzvah. It's, 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 it's wild. I mean, there's, there's no sense of, like, this, of an achrayus. So people don't have that. So it's hard to call someone a mumer in that sense. But there probably still is a gather of a Russia. There are people who are just terrible people. Now, does that mean that you're allowed to speak Lashon Hara amongst the siblings? So what would the heter be to ever speak Lashon Hara amongst the siblings, amongst the family? Uh, yeah, two. Three Ateirim. Yeah. You said three, you only gave me two. 
So probably the, uh, the, the you know, as far as to'eles, so you have to be careful how to... I mean, if, you're, if you're warning somebody... <laughs> if you're if if you're warning somebody, you better watch out because this person is going to do something terrible to you. You know that's that's a kind of, that that certainly is a lesson of them. It seems that this is a different kind of uh, a different kind of issue. This is an issue of you know like you have that Gemara Kedushin says right that uh, Rabbi Yehuda warned his Talmidim don't allow those Talmidim into the base Medrash because they're not coming to learn they're just coming how could you, they're just coming to you know to try to chop me and to try how could you speak such a social about all the Talmidim because he was trying to protect them and protect himself you know it was a, it was a matter of, uh, of Toelis but, uh, but over here it's a different kind of Toelis this is more therapy kind of Toelis meaning that a person needs to sometimes get things off of his chest Chavetz Chaim in Hilch Lashnara Ches Yud says that there's no distinction in Lashnara between relatives and other people. You know, I speak Lashnara even to your relatives, even to your wife. Chavetz Chaim says that he notices that a lot of people think that there is no halach of Lashnara when you're talking to your spouse. And he said, aside from Lashnara, it's an additional issue because it creates needless machlokas. Because the spouse is going to want to defend you. The spouse, you, long after you've forgiven the person, your wife is still going to be angry at them. So it, it creates a, a worse situation than it needs to be. And, and many of, you know, the strongest example of Tanakh, in Tanakh probably, of Machlokas, the one that, that caused Golis Mitzrayim was between family. Right? Yosef was just telling his father. He was Motzidiba to his father about his brothers. It was all within the family. No, you have to be very careful. However, the Yushalmi in the first parakapaya says you're allowed to speak Lashonara about Bali Machlokas. So Chavz Chaim says you can tell your kids stay away from people with bad midos again to protect them. And Pasukin Mishlei tells us Dagablevish. If you have worries, something's weighing on you, something's bothering you. So the Gemara has two ways to read, to read the next word. Yashichena or Yashichena? What's Yashichena? Yashichena midaita, the Gemara Nivama says. Just, just ignore it. Forget about it. Or Yashichena la'acher. Talk about it. I always thought the Gemara was talking about two types of people. And those two types of people are known as men and women. The way, typically, typically, there are exceptions. But the way men typically deal with stress is by shutting it out. Ignoring it. Forgetting about it. You know, focusing on something else. The way women typically deal with a stressful situation is by talking it out. So, you know, I tell chasadim, when I teach chasadim sometimes, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand what's happening. Your wife is going to be upset, and you'll, you'll listen to her on the phone. She has spoken to her mother, your mother, her sister, her friend, her, and she's going through the same story over and over again. And you're thinking, just stop it already. Just stop talking about it, and then you'll be okay. And, and the reason you're thinking that is because that's how you would be okay. Right? <laughs> if you had something that... Or you'll be upset one day and she'll, she'll come and say, you're upset. You'll say, uh-huh. And, 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 and she'll say, so, so let's talk about it. You need to talk about it. And you're like, no. Why does she think you need to talk about it? Because she would need to talk about it if it was her. It doesn't always break down men, women. You know, there are men that are yashichan alacherim types, and there are women that are yashichan midaito types. But this is therapeutic. Now, 
if that's the case, Chafetz Chaim writes in Hilchus Lashnara Yud Yudalid Efshar. He says Efshar, and that that word that he added, that Efshar, caused pages and pages of of literature in in in, in the uh, the time between the when the Chafetz Chaim wrote that and today. What did he mean by Efshar? He says Efshar that unloading is a toelas and therefore mutter. Efshar. So which is it? Is it or isn't it? So some say he only wrote it as Afshar and therefore you can't rely on it. Others say, no, nah, he never... Chavz Chaim was careful with words, right? He never would have put that in print if, if he didn't want you to rely on it. Afshar is his way of saying that I haven't found it in earlier sources. But, but it means that it's really lahalacha. However, even when there is a toelas, the person on the receiving end is not supposed to believe it. I still have an Isra of being the so your wife comes and she tells you, my boss did this, or whatever, and in your mind you're supposed to be thinking, the boss is a tzaddik. <laughs> you know, but like, but, but you're, you're, you're listening and you're letting you get her off her chest and you're, you're talking and hey, it's fine and whatever. And they say, some say, they quote from Hashanah Zalman that he was makled with, a little more makled with talking to his spouse to get it off your chest, this kind of thing. Although Rav Nevensal said he's, he never heard it from Hashanah Zalman, that he never heard such a thing. Then there's the other issue, that Kibrav, Mishal Av, or Mishal Ben. The Gemara says that Kibrav is, is Davka Mishal Av, that the son doesn't have to pay for Kibrav. So there are those that argue that emotional paying is also paying. That's also a price to pay. Although if you look at the stories in the Gemara, of what the indignities that people had to suffer for Kibrav, it doesn't sound like the Gemara was Gores, the emotional price, uh, too much. But, but many poskim, bismanenu, would say that you don't have to give up your own emotional well-being for kibbutz. And, and, and if you need to do this in order for you to emotionally be healthy, and, and if you need to avoid the father and not be mechabidim in order for you just to be a, you know, not to be ice mensch, so then maybe that's okay. You know, I had a story once, I'll close with this story. We had, we had a, a maisa once, many years ago, at a Talmud, my first year teaching. Yeah, um, I, yeah. My, fir- my very first year teaching uh, Shir in DRS. I had a Talmud uh, in 10th grade at the time whose father was suffering from Alzheimer's, which is a, te- a terrible, terrible thing for a high school kid to be going through. His, he was a benzakunim. His, his parents were older than the parents of the other boys in the grade. And he was the youngest, the youngest child. All the other siblings were out of the house already. And he was like this super-duper sweet guy, like... Uh, well, we took a school trip to Washington and there were homeless people all over the streets. He took their orders, went into a store and bought them, you know, started distributing food to all the homeless people while everyone else was running around town, you know, I don't know, doing whatever they were doing. Like, like this kind of person, like a real, a real neshama. He didn't have the strongest religious influences in his life at that time, though. And very bright. And after high school, he was either going to go to Israel or he was going to go um, to secular college and, you know, and, and again, didn't have the strongest religious influences. So as dangerous as secular college is in general, someone who didn't go to Israel and someone who isn't coming from like this really strong foundation of from Kite, it wasn't going to be good religiously. So uh, when he was a senior, he didn't know if he should go to Israel, leave his mother alone with his father. His father didn't even recognize him anymore. And so it's a lot for his mother to handle. So he didn't know if he should if he should leave his mother alone with his father or not. So he uh, he asked um, Rabbi Moshe Benefits, who was his rebbe, what he should do. All right, Benefits said 
this is above my pay grade. You need to you need to go to a Gadol Yisrael to ask this Shaila. So he asked me if I could put him in touch with Rav Shechter. So I said, it happens to be that night, and, and this was in the Tukufa in my life, where I saw Rav Shechter maybe like once a year or twice a year. I wasn't going to YU anymore, and I wasn't, uh, and he wasn't coming to the five towns every five minutes because he didn't have a kid there yet. Like it wasn't, so, so you know, so, so it, but it happened to be that night, I was driving him, picking him up more tonight, I was driving him to a shir in Shari Tfilah, where I was the assistant rabbi. So, uh, so I said, you know what, I'm going to see Rav Shechter tonight, I'll ask him, and I'll uh, see what he says. So I pick up Rav Shechter, I, I, I see Rav Shechter in Shari, I wasn't picking him up, I was driving him home from the shir. So I, I, I see Rav Shechter at the, right before the shir, and I said, Rebbe, I told him the whole story, of course he starts crying, and uh, I say, is there a time that you can be able to talk to this boy? So he says, what's the boy's bedtime? <laughs> He's a senior in high school. <laughs> so like, like, uh, he, he could stay up as long as you want him to stay up. So he takes out his little pocket calendar, and he starts flipping pages, and he says, next Mitzray Shabbos at 11.30, um, I have an open slot, we could talk then. And I'm thinking, his next available <laughs> 10 minutes is next Mitzray Shabbos at 11.30? I said, Rebbe, I'm driving you home tonight, why don't we just call him from the car? So he says, okay, sure, fine. <laughs> but, so after the shear, we get in the car, and the, the, the guy is not expecting the call, right? So, because he, he just knows that. So I, we call Rashad from the car, um, I say, uh, David, I have uh, Rav Shechter. I had it on the speaker, obviously. I'm not going to hands-free, right? So I said, I have Rav Shechter here. He didn't know that it was on speaker. And he said, oh, my God, I need to put a shirt on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he went, he put a shirt on. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, then he, uh, he, he told Rav Shechter to Shaila. Rav Shechter was crying. But Rav Shechter told him. Look, keep it up as Mishalav. It's not Mishal Ben. This is a formative year of your life. It's going to change who you are. It's going to change the trajectory of your life. You need to be very sensitive to your mother. You need to, uh, you know, but you should probably go to Israel. And he gave him a, a lot of chizik and brachos and whatever, and uh, some advice also. And the guy went. The guy went to Israel. He went to Netivarye, and uh, he actually did. I mean, not actually, not surprisingly at all. He did very, very well there. I just last week, I was at a Kiddush, and his brother-in-law came over to me and said, we have so much Hakar Satov to you and to Rabbi Storch, because we weren't sure if he was going to be from. You know, and, and, and that hashpa, and I don't know if they remember that conversation, but that, that put him on a trajectory to really be a firm person. Uh, Rav thought that giving up that, giving up, even, that's called Mishal Ben, and you don't have to do Kibrav uh, Mishal Ben. The PS to the story um, is that a year later, and again, I never saw Rav Shechter, like once a year, maybe twice a year. A year later, the kid calls me up from Israel. He says, Rav Shechter was just in Eretz Yisrael. I waited online to talk to him. And they, like two people in front of me got to talk to him. And, I, and, and he, had to be, uh, he had to leave before I got to, I just wanted to say thank you because it changed my life. Being here, is such, such a, it was such a game changer for me. And I just wanted to say thank you. I said, okay, it happens to be Tonight, I'm driving him to the shir in DRS. Mom, it's that night. So I, then I was driving him to the shir. So I picked him up from his apartment. I was all excited to tell him that this boy says, uh, thank you. So I said, Rebbe? He says, oh, before you say anything, what happened with that boy that we spoke to last year? Unbelievable. 
person who has the Tzaras HaKal Yisrael on his head, the Daigus HaKal Yisrael on his head. He remembers that boy that I, so I told him. He actually did quite nicely or whatever. And uh, I just spoke to the boy actually last month. So he's still doing very nicely. He has a wonderful family and is a good firm person. Anyway, so uh, his father passed away not while he was in Israel. It was already his father passed away over a decade ago probably, but uh, not while he was in Israel, uh, a couple of years after he got back. And his mother's good, and his mother was happy that he went, and was happy that he of uh, uh, the man that he became. Uh, you know, worked out as best as it could, uh, considering the terrible situation that it uh, that it was. But bottom line, what would you tell a person like this if, for your own, if it's going to be, if it's going to mean that you're ice mensch, that you're that you're you, you can't function, and that you're, you know. I don't know that you have to do keep it in that sense. Probably the best is to continue to avoid. It's to unload constantly with your siblings. Probably it should be controlled, but to the extent that you need it, to the extent that that uh, that you need it. But it should, it should probably be controlled somewhat. Okay, we'll stop there.